Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. On today's podcast, we discuss a teaching method that can be applied to individual periods. And I think it's very important for uh, especially your non-teaching coaches to give this more of, a, of an educator's viewpoint as you build the structure for your individual periods and for your practices. And joining me today to discuss that, former head coach at Alden High School in New York and a master trainer at USA Football, Rob Curran. Rob, great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you very much, Keith. Great to be back talking ball with you. Well, I know you and I talked about this some time back, and, and I can't recall when uh, everything, given all the <laughs> crazy things that have happened in the last few months, kind of seems way off in the distance. But we did talk about this method and, and the idea of what you came up with, that you, you use an acronym called STAR for it, that something as a teacher, and, and you're an English teacher, uh, a guy after a uh, my own heart there, uh, being a former English teacher myself. But but the classroom, I think, is such an important part of this in structure. And, you know, I, I just shared last week a chapter of Paul Brown's book where he talked about his system, and, and one of the biggest parts he emphasized in that was the teaching part of it. So I think this has a lot of relevance both at the high school level and at the youth level is where we do see, uh, especially I think nowadays, more and more uh, lay people, I guess for lack of a better term, getting into coaching. Uh, so they don't necessarily have training as educators. And so this, I think, gives you a really good framework to think about all the things that need to go into coaching. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, I, I feel like our best, you look back at your own, your own experience and chances are your best coaches were also the best teachers. And a lot of that, you know, you know, coaches that aren't necessarily directly involved in education and good, the best coaches don't necessarily have to be teachers, but I feel that, um, they, they really do coaches that also teach are also subject to some potentially unique training options, uh, that, you know, I know, especially during, during football season, when I'm at a teacher training, uh, I am, absolutely thinking of how this can apply to my coaching as well and sometimes sometimes it's it's an easy fit and sometimes it's not and uh you know the star method was something that over the last two school years uh at my at my former district in alden the administrative team and the teacher leaders we really really worked hard to define in our own terms those the four components of the star method and uh along I mean, we really grappled and had some great conversations with this and uh along that along the way um there were a number of things that jumped out that that it looked like this could really be useful in coaching and not just for me but for my my coaching staff and i think really anybody any coaches that want to get more uh, out of their individual periods, I think this is a great method to apply. Yeah, I can remember sitting in all those professional development meetings at, when I was a high school teacher and being presented with different ideas, different ways uh, to do things in the classroom. And for me, the measuring stick was always, can I, can I apply this to what's happening 
with my team as well. And so the the stuff that I really, I guess, hung on to and, and made part of what I was going to do were things that could work both ways for me. I, I liked having kind of that carryover uh, between the two. It really helped me just mentally from that framework to be able to think about things that way. And I know when you shared this with me, you know, that idea that you came up with this actually was from the classroom first, but you saw how it fit on the field. I thought about that right away. So uh, with that, it is called the STAR method. If you could give us, I guess, an overview before we dig into all the different parts of this. Sure, sure. So so the folks in district that we that we that really put in the time to, to put this into our own terms uh, came up with the idea that from an instructional model, STAR would stand for skill, task, audience, and reach. And skill and task are so, so incredibly foundationally important to all of this. And we kind of utilized audience and reach. Okay, who can we, who can we bring in to up the ante a little bit here for this, for this student work by way of audience? And is there an opportunity for this work to make an impact can we reach anybody with this because we had also under uh we had also undergone a a serious shift and really really in district gone to project-based learning so this this really worked well for that now the to to footballize it a little bit uh which again i I went to our our district leadership and i said hey you know do do you guys mind if i take this framework and and start to put it into football terms i think there's a network of, of coaches that might be able to benefit from it and got the green light and the thumbs up and really, the only difference here is we we just tweak audience to position. Okay, so what specific position are we working with? And then we change reach to rationale. And that's really just so that we can answer that question as coaches: Why are we doing this? Um, too often, and I, and I and thankfully I am able to coach uh, sports at the, some sports at the youth level where. I am, I am truly the assistant youth sports coach in some situations. It might not be the sport that, that I know the best, um, but I am there to help facilitate drills and, and do the work as an assistant. And I don't, I don't always know if I've got, if I've got to come up with 10 minutes uh, for, for a sport that, that is not my, not directly a hundred percent in my wheelhouse. Um, sometimes that's just, you know, I'm throwing stuff at the wall to see what I think is going to be okay here. Whereas this really allows us to think about that before we get to the field for that 10, 15, 20 minute individual period. Because I mean, especially as the season goes on, those reps are are limited. Those reps are important. um, And we don't, we don't want to waste that time. So it really just comes down to skill, task, audience, which is the position we're working with, and rationale. Why are we doing this drill? Yes, and I think in, in, in some of this, what gets lost at the, at the higher levels, you know, we, this podcast will, will be both on coaching coordinator and football for all, which is our youth football podcast, because um, I think it applies to both. But uh, higher level, it's called everyday drills. And mm-hmm. the idea is you, you, th- there are skills, there are fundamentals you want to develop every day. I think where you kind of get into a rut, and this is both for you as a coach but also your players, is that uh, it doesn't take necessarily all of, of these requirements that you have in, in STAR, skill, task, audience, uh, and, and rationale into account, meaning that 
um, over the course of the season, the, the demands of what's happening in that particular position, whether it's based on the opponent's scheme, um, uh, uh, opponent's uh, ability, uh, the situations you might face, kind of change up. So while you may work that again and again, you, you need to think about how can I vary this drill, number one, to keep it, you know, you're not going to go in and just do the same thing in the classroom every day because there becomes that monotony. And I think that applies to the football field as well. So um, with that in mind, you know, looking at the periods you have, I guess, how, how do you keep that fresh for the players as well as for yourself? Because I think if it becomes monotonous for you, that's not a good thing either as the, the coach slash teacher. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, you know, nothing's worse than those drills where, where kids are just going through the motions, right? And I think that the everyday, there's a lot of, you know, we've put a lot of thought into the notion of everyday drills and everyday skills. And I think, I think really where we want to, where we really want to live is in the mindset of everyday skills. Okay. So we want simple, I mean, and I'm going to keep these examples simple and relatable. Um, we want to work on not catching with our body. Let's say we got youth kids and, and, and we're working with receivers and, and, and tight ends and, and running backs and we don't want to use our body to catch. Well, that's that's essentially the skill is is catching with our hands, not relying on our body to catch a football. Okay, there are a number of different ways that we can do that. There are a number of different variables that we can utilize to change the drill. We can have kids uh, catching the ball uh, with the goalpost, you know, with their arms extended around the goalpost. We can have kids catching the ball uh, and use pool noodles to to uh create that separation that we need where they're not allowed to we're not allowed to utilize their body when making the catch so i think the drills the drills need absolutely need to change but the skills that we know at the forefront of our minds these are the things that we want our kids to work on i like that notion of everyday skills as opposed to everyday drills because everyday drills by by day six i mean you know we're, we're already we're, it's a long season if, if, if we're doing the same thing every single day when it comes to when it comes to these drills. The thing we talk about all the time with Andy Ryland when he comes on here in, in our deliberate practice series, which we run through the season, is uh, about VDA vision, decision, action. Right when you mm -hmm. think about what you need to start layering into every single one of your drills that that like you said everyday skills, but you're going to work those things is that part of it, the vision, the decision, and the action. Those things are what stress a player during the game. And so if you are running drills without those aspects of it, without starting, you know, I think there's some things. If you look at the beginning of a season, I think you can leave those out initially as you start to just teach some of the fundamental, fundamental movement patterns. But as those, those are, are things that become proficient for the players, you have to start building upon that. You have to start stressing them the different ways that are going to happen within a game. So, you know, I think back to a conversation I had with uh, a coach just a couple of weeks ago here locally, um, uh, coaching uh, junior high, seventh and eighth graders and quarterbacks and working with them and wanting to know about footwork and throwing the ball and the mechanics. And, you know, I said, okay, well, here's some of the basics. But what I want you to really think about is as – you, you teach these then, how can you start to build in the decision-making into every single throw? Um, maybe you do those first few throws where you're warming up and you know just getting loose, but 
then, you know, don't throw to throw. Every route you throw, even if you're going routes on air, something had to happen for him to go mm-hmm. to that certain receiver. What was it, right? Something had to happen for him to throw a bubble. Uh, most of that maybe is even pre-snap, but, but where did that come in? So you don't want that decision-making part of it outside of your drills. You have to figure out ways to layer that in. It, it can be simple. This doesn't have to be very complex. One drill we used to use at high school and the college level uh, what was one I picked up from uh, Dub Maddox, who's now the offensive coordinator at Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Union's just a perennial powerhouse there. And Dub, of course, has done a, an outstanding job with his R4 systems. And uh, the concept call drill was essentially those quarterbacks would line up and they would move. You know, there was not even a throw. It was kind of, I think we did it a lot of times when we didn't have field space or we didn't have somebody to catch the ball or we had thrown the ball a lot. It could be most of the time in special teams periods where they would just go off on their own and uh, one guy would call a play. Everybody would line up. One would get to do the call, but you would see all of them moving their eyes and feet through the progression. So if it was, you know, let's say it was four verticals, the quarterback might make uh, some kind of a pre-snap read. Here's what we're seeing. And then from there, they would go through, you know, lock. Would I think their call was like lock, uh, choice, comeback. And so they would, you know, go through all that whole thing. And you'd see their eyes and feet moving through the progression. And I think the same thing you could do with quarterbacks, at least in envisioning things, or maybe you put a a coach or somebody out there to to provide that visual key. Let's say it was a quarterback and doing those. I think a lot of times I see guys work running back quarterback mesh, right? And very important, uh, the the footwork and the, um, the mesh that goes into the handoff but then at the same time, nothing that happens from the line of scrimmage forward really is going on. So what can you do maybe to, you know, uh, set up, it could be as simple as setting up a cone and they have to make a move right or left off of it. Or you could put somebody out there pointing them a direction. Um, we like to take one of our guys and put his, his back to them wherever the aim point might be. If it was an outside zone, maybe he would go out to the tight end spot and just provide, you know, that visual look, right? If that guy's stretching to the outside, he's going to press to it and cut it up. If that guy gets the reach, he's going to continue on to the outside. Like there's so many little things you can do to make those drills so much more efficient as you're looking at this. And I think that's just a big part of what you're talking about here with the star method. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of this builds on, um, I, I love that deliberate practice series. And, and I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have conversations with you and outside of the podcast with Andy uh, about VDA. VDA really, really, truly changed the way I even approach drill design to begin with. And I'm sure in the in the archives, these conversations, I know these conversations exist in the coach and coordinator archives, but uh, not only, and you can factor all of that into this, into this drill design method. And that's just it. It can be, it doesn't need to be right. The blue bucket, you know, one of the blue buckets that we use, uh, to run our, our blitz period, uh, so that we save those five bodies, um, that, that blue bucket can also, you know, that we've used that, that blue bucket before when we do our, our, uh, feather force drill with our, with our, uh, our perimeter linebackers. Okay. And that's just, I think that we really break this down. I'd be willing to bet that so much drill work is skill assessment when we can teach skills 
then we can evolve to skill under stress. All right. For example, you know, we're working speed, you know, we're, we're working our pass set against a speed rush and lining a kid up offsides. I know that's an example that comes directly from some of that BDA work. So skill under stress, and it doesn't need to be, you know, extreme stress, but that can vary by kids, confidence level, ability level, where that player is and what they're going to see on Friday night. And then we can further evolve our drill work to then skill under stress with decision. And I mean, again, to, to, uh, uh, to cite another, another guest on the podcast, Eric Corum from uh, William and Mary, you know, he talks about making sure that we are preparing kids for the demands of the game, right? And how much do we leave on the table at practice? The way that we practice, are we really preparing kids for the demands of the game? And, you know, when our drill work can assess skill under stress and throw decision in there, I think we've really hit a sweet spot. I can't start that way. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we start that way, but I was, I was notorious for teaching our reach block and having the kid, you know, having a kid hold a bag exactly where I wanted him to be. I didn't want him to move. I wanted to be able to sleep at night and make sure that I, I we were teaching our offensive line progression to the right way. And, and kids knew wh- what their first step was going to be on what block. And those were static soft targets. And that's great for, for day one so that we know what we've got to do. Um, but does that really assess that we can do it? And I think this, I think, uh, you know, this method coupled with a lot of those thoughts from VDA and intentional practice design like that is, is really, really helpful. I think the biggest thing is the rationale as a coach, you need to understand why, why am I doing this drill? Uh, the the better question might even be where does this show up in the game? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I did a a series back when I was just writing for USA Football. I was still coaching college, and it was just called When It Happens on Film. And the whole idea was we would you know in the in the series go through and uh, talk about a certain drill and then provide the game film right along next to it, so that you see like this is how it exactly happens. And that really, you know, you think about some of those things that just make their way into your teaching uh, became part of my install. When, when we would talk about installing a certain play, I also had video of those drills and they knew right away that this is what the drill works and here's what we're looking for. Here's the finer coaching points. And, and the visualization I think is an important part of it, right? You go out there and Maybe there's not guys, there's cones or there's stand-ups or whatever it might be. You really want your players to visualize what is what does this really look like? What should I, you know, imagine in front of me happening that makes this a very dynamic drill that applies to game day, right? Because I see so many drills on YouTube that, you know, when you look at them, you see, oh, wow, great athleticism. That kid can move his feet. But, like, he just went through a rope ladder. He spun around three cones. Uh, he went to this cone, cut 90 degrees on the top, caught a football, ran around another cone, and then sprinted for 20 yards. Well, that t- took like 15 seconds. And what exactly were we, we trying to accomplish there? What were we trying to do? Because ultimately, again, if, if you don't see where it happens in the game, then it's really hard to, to say rationale-wise, this is where it fits in. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing because of some of the, you know, some of the drills that I've seen in my time that 
at, at you know, by, by very, some very well-meaning guys, right? They're just, they're, they're, they're just trying to, you know, throw a bunch of stuff at kids. And, and sometimes it can end up looking like that American gladiators gauntlet that my kids make in the backyard, yeah, right? The obstacle right. course, <laughs> the obstacle course that my kids make in the backyard where at no point are our receivers hopefully ever going to catch a ball after they've had the karaoke, you know, and, and do backhand springs through a ladder on the ground. Right. I mean, that's, that hopefully that's not going to happen. We don't have any routes that are built that way. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just the rationale skill absolutely must be married to task. It absolutely has to be married to task. Those two things have to be hand in hand. They can't separate. They can't go anywhere. And, to ensure that is simply the, and it, this can just be a one bullet point. And you know what, to be completely honest with you, this, this could be for a lot of coaches, the car ride to practice, right? Just the, the drive to practice. All right, guys, especially at the youth level, these are guys that, that have, I mean, I've, I'm fortunate as a teacher, right? I've got a prep period. I've got a lunch period. We've got before and after school period, advisement, whatever that I can, I can build in some time in my day to think of these things and make sure we're all, we're all set and ready to go before we hit the practice field. I mean, a lot of our volunteer coaches are, are coming from another job. They're on the road all day. They don't have that opportunity to sit down and, and, and reflect and process and, and build. And this can just be that car right over conversation. Okay. Why am I going to do this drill? And, you know, piece a point that I wanted to make too, when you talked about adding variables, right, let's think about, and I'll, and I'll frame some of this, you know, for our, for listeners that are familiar with the advanced tackle system. Um, here's a great example uh, of a drill that creates variables. All right. Run and gather in the shoulder tackle system evolved to run and gather with obstruction in the advanced tackle system. Mm-hmm. Well, the instead of using bags as the obstruction, we use three kids. And granted, for that for that part of the drill, when, when a kid is the obstruction, one of the three obstructions in that drill, as we cycle through, they're not doing anything themselves, but they're out of line. Okay, so um, we we are able to include more kids in drills that give the kids getting reps more. Of, of a view of what they're going to see. I mean, how often in football do we have a clear line of vision at any point to anything, to our target, right? Um, so especially at the younger levels, you know what happens in that line where there's 12 kids, right? We're all, we're all waiting in line longer than we actually did any drill work. And you know how those lines get. So now we've been able to utilize players, get them out of line, that line shorter, maybe a little bit more focused, uh, whatever the case may be. So that's, I think that's huge, but you know, if we, if we run a scouting report and we see that, okay, okay. The team we're playing on Friday night, this is a, this is a 70% run football team, right? They throw the ball 30% of the time. We absolutely should not be spending the majority of our time in defensive line Indy on pass rush. We, we shouldn't. And that is as obvious as it gets, right? To, yeah. to football coaches. However, sometimes that's still what happens in Indy time. And that's just the truth. Yeah. You know, we've all, we're all coming from, from different backgrounds. Like we said earlier, right. We're all coming from different backgrounds with some of, some of us are educators. Some of us are first year coaches. Some of us, uh, you know, are, are, are filling in because they need a, a breathing body. If we can, if we can up that, if we can just up that a little bit through that thought process, our kids are going to gain quite a bit out of it. 
Yeah, the, the other point I want to make in looking at the STAR acronym audience, right? And, and I know you listed it as position, and so that is pretty obvious. But I, I think when you look at football, why do we run drills anyway? Why not just line up and run plays? Well, number one, it's the efficiency. To get all 22 lined up and to get them to do everything they're doing and get a scout team out there doing what they're supposed to do, I mean, that takes a lot of time. And then there's all the variables and, you know, more bodies out there, uh, is, is, you know, increase for injury. You don't want to do that day in and day out, time and time again. So drills, the purpose of drills is to work on some things in isolation, yet be able to apply them to the bigger picture. So you will get opportunities, though, where you can work smaller groups. So uh, as an example, you know, and again, going to the, the rationale is part of this, too. We were, we were struggling. This is when I was coaching college football. We had a very, very young team, um, freshmen and sophomore running backs who – you know, we were primarily running uh, an inside zone scheme. Uh, they weren't necessarily familiar with it. You know, would we do some things in practice? Would look fine. We get into a game, and you know, the stress of the game—they're not finding anything. I mean, they're running in the back of the lineman. They're making the cut the wrong way, and you're watching on film and like, holy cow, there it was. You could have drove a truck through it, but but you couldn't see it. You didn't have that, um, I guess, you know, ability right now to do it. So. We went through and out of necessity, sat down with uh, a running backs coach. I was coaching the offensive line. What can we do to help him out, right? And, and we're thinking about what can we do as coaches to vary this drill to get our player to see this thing the right way. So we came up with a drill we just called A-gap to A-gap. And what we did was we took our centers and guards uh, who were in this drill. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, because of the depth at, at this particular college, everybody kind of knew every position. So all of our linemen were rotating in you know, including the tackles into those positions. So if they weren't there, they went across the other side and they, you know, they were the defense and they're varying, you know, that this particular week I'm talking about between an over and under front. Uh, so, you know, uh, an even front with, with two defensive tackles and a linebacker, uh, two linebackers there. And so the objective of the drill was for that guy, be able to make his cuts from the, you know, the front side A gap all the way to the back side B gap, not, or A gap, I'm sorry. He could go B and C out the front or out the back even if it was allowed, but we felt it was too much for him right now, and we just needed to get him to see that initial aim point and get a feel for where that was, uh, that, you know, that A gap to, to A gap. And so how did we start to put in some things that would enforce that? Well, we took the, the Agile bags and basically put – uh, one perpendicular to each side of the line of scrimmage, just outside the guards. We had a right guard, left guard outside their, their outside foot. Right. And so now we have this little box there. And so this guy is not allowed to cut outside the box. He has to move there. And, you know, we had, uh, the, the running backs coach served as the quarterback, which was good because previously he was the quarterback. He was an intern that year. So he knew all the footwork. And we just filmed it from behind and we worked those guys and we could get it set up really quick and run it again and again and again. We didn't have to worry about everything else going on with the, the other, would we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six guys, seven guys in the play, uh, the other 15 who might be out on the field. We're getting multiple reps at it. And you know what happens? We get pretty good at running that A gap to A gap zone, that, that tight zone play. Uh, with our guy hitting it where it's supposed to be, and he's not missing things anymore, and the game slows down for him. Well, you know, again, that went to rationale, and that went to some problem solving, which, you know, when when you look at it as, as somebody just everyday drills, 
and thinking, well, I'm just going to use the same tool again and again, you know, it, it might not require a hammer. <laughs> you know, you might need to use a screwdriver. You got to look at the tools that are available to you to teach this. And I think, you know, when you look at audience, so if there is a certain area you're struggling in, how many of those players are key to that play that you can start working those guys together? It doesn't have to be everybody else could go work on other things. Maybe if if they're fine on that particular play, but you can problem solve here too with the STAR method to create some drills that are going to be very applicable and help you your team, regardless of the level. I was talking about a college team, but that certainly could apply to a high school team. I don't know that you'd run inside zone with a youth team, but something where you were struggling with a run play and your guy seeing the hole, you can create those same kind of scenarios as well. That's just one example, and I think as I talk about it there, it really fits that STAR uh, method of teaching. Without, without a doubt. I mean, here, here you, now you're talking about uh, coaching at the college level. So obviously the question that the, the questions that are constantly uh, circulating in coaches' minds, how can we do this better? How can we get better? Well, now when that question is created authentically from within, from the group, from the coaches, here's a method, right? Here's our method that we can just, we can put these pieces, we can take these puzzle pieces and put them in there. And now you already know what your rationale, maybe you start with the rationale and the audience. Okay. Now you're going to really, really work. It sounds like what you did in that example was you had a rationale, you had the audience, you just needed to kind of shore up the task a little bit. Okay. How do we alter this task a little bit? Now, in some cases we are, we know the skill. We know the skill and we just need to make sure that we can create that rationale and make sure that the task is related to it. And that's the thing. Rationale is going to be what marries skill to task. And, you know, you've got the question coming from coaches, how can we do this better? Sometimes coaches are also every coach, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really kind of speaking to the, to the youth and high school levels at this point, but every coach should have an answer. If they were ever asked, Hey, why do you do that drill? They, they should have an answer that goes beyond, you know what? It, my, my coach did that drill with us and it was, you know, it, it's just a, it's a good football drill. Okay. We should, we should be able to have an answer that goes beyond that. I mean, kids in class, kids in class. I, I, I always urge my kids in class to ask me, why are we doing this, Mr. Curran? What, what's the purpose of this? You know, an ELA is nice because it's, it's communicating, it's understanding what we, what we take in and, and, putting out things that can be understood. So a lot falls under that umbrella, right? If we're doing math equations, maybe I would have a difficult time establishing a rationale for that, but I should be able as a teacher, as a coach, I should be able to answer the question. Why are we doing this drill? If the head guy comes up to me says, coach, why are you doing that? I need to have that answer. And that's only going to help our entire situation with players as well. Um, I think that I really think you can look at this, you can plug those things in. You can, you can start with a skill. You could even start with a task. And you, this is a great way to assess what you already do. All right. Throw a drill that you've been doing for 12 years into task. Okay. Well, let's think about it. We can work backwards here. What skill does this task actually give kids an opportunity to get better at? What's the rationale there? Am I doing this with, with the right position? I mean, you can really you can really strip down everything that gets done and, and review it, uh, look at it again through the lens of this method to kind of filter out, filter out, build upon, throw out, uh, uh, 
and really let our drills evolve. We've seen this more and more in tackling for a long time. I think tackling went to the tackling circuit. And you, you, you did this type of tackle and that type of tackle. It was open field. It was an angle. It was, it was a closed space. And uh, did that for five, ten minutes a day and, and moved on. Well, you know, the is one of my favorite pieces on social media right now from Vince Digitano at Fordham, a good friend of both of ours, where mm-hmm. he, he calls it uh, tackle study. And he he's just grabbing a film clip from the NFL and showing all the different things that happen within the context of the play. Now, I think he's been doing these for a few months, so you start to see patterns develop, but you really look at it and say, wow, you know, I can actually build a drill around uh, getting the right, you know, tracking the right way, getting the right point. I mean, with anything, you can vary your levels of contact, but working on uh, different aspects of how your players tackle within scheme, right? The, The game is never devoid of context on every single play there's going to be space there's going to be time there's going to be the the down and distance situation and and then of course the scheme and if you're just out there running generic drills all the time now again i think youth level you start to build skill and you can build up to these it doesn't have to be all these but as you progress and you're doing things that are more complex why aren't you layering those things into your drills uh if your player needs to drop underneath the curl take that away and then rally to a guy running with the football in the flat are you really doing anything where he has that kind of a movement pattern yeah you may Mm -hmm. do some open field tackling stuff but does that simulate the exact same thing you need to do on the field and if you know you're going to see that scheme again and again and your guy's going to have to make some plays maybe against a guy who's really good in in space or has some ability to to catch that ball and, and head up the sidelines are you working those kinds of things week in that particular week uh, that are going to help him succeed on game day? And if the answer is no, that's not on him. That's on you as the coach. Keith, I can't, I can't agree with you more on specifically the tackling piece. And this is, you know, one of one of the branches of USA football that I've been fortunate enough to really, really get into is the tackling piece. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this as you know, when we didn't tackle well on a Friday night 10 years ago, the first thing we did on Monday was what we called tackle circuit. Okay. And there were three drills, sideline tackle, angle tackle, head on tackle, which we called shamefully head on tackle. Okay. We even used the word head in that. Okay. And that was, that was 10, that was 10 years ago. All right. So the evolution of tackling at least the way we coach it, the way we look at it has been exponential. The, 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 the evolution has been incredible in, in the last five years, just the way, at least, at least from my perspective, and this may have, you know, coaches for years may have been doing this, but from where I stand, I mean, my understanding of tackling because of that network, you know, Richie Gray and Andy and, uh, and Vinny a hundred percent. And I had been, I asked them to grade a grade our last game of the 2018 season um, with, with the advanced tackle language and the five fights and everything else. And it was evident that our kids could track pretty well, but man, did we lose a lot when it came to accelerate? We just, we just, we were the nail. We weren't ever the hammer. We weren't knocking anybody down backwards. You know, we weren't knocking anybody back. It was, we were, you know, and, and I, once I looked at it with those eyes, it was almost, I mean, it was so, 
you know, earth shattering. And at times, you know, I was disgusted by what we, what we accepted as a tackle was just bringing the ball carrier down and getting the, getting the offense to line up again. And, you know, when we started to think about yards per, you know, yards per fall forward again, you know, we had a lot of conversations with Vinny about this. So he, he gets, he, he gives us our readout and it just allowed us to know, okay, look at this group struggles with accelerating. We're not going to spend all of this. We're not going to spend equal time on all five fights right now. We're just not, we're not going to spend 20% of our tackle time on all five of these things. We're going to spend 40%, 50% of the time on accelerate and let's write that. Okay. If we're good at prepare, I mean, they're really, if you can't, if you can't track, don't spend the first five days of camp working on finish drills, right? We've, we've got to get there first to make the tackle. And I think this just, there's no better example of, of the need for this than, than the tackle system. And to be honest with you, I feel like we almost have to use, use some sort of method like the one we're talking about, the star method with tackling, because there's, you know, what, what used to be for us, three drills, just evolved to, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus whatever you can, you can conceive to throw in there to add variables, you know? So we, we almost have to uh, make sure that we are applying skill and task uh, with a rationale because otherwise it would be, it'd be too overwhelming. You know, we, we, and again, that's, that's a deep dive at our level and, and what we're able to think about because we're not, you know, worried about, making sure kids know how to buckle their chin strap and, and, you know, get dressed the right way. And, and so many of those other uh, uh, factors that go into coaching youth football, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't agree with you more on, on the importance of thoughtful drill design with tackling just because there's, there's so much. And I think every, every position has that, has that depth of a rabbit hole for sure. Well, I, I love the idea and I appreciate you coming here and, Uh, talking about that and certainly we did go down some different rabbit holes here with just some ideas and you know depending on what level of coach you are you know maybe some of those were too complex but I I think it's a method that is very simple to use and if you could think about this every single day before you put that drill down on that sheet of paper you know thinking about the, the rationale especially making sure before you run that drill that there is the rationale behind it I think your players are going to be much better off for it and I think what you're going to find over time uh, it's pretty easy to do it this way and you're going to become a better coach yourself no doubt no doubt and, and you don't need you don't need a, a, a an excel spreadsheet or, or a worksheet and, and you don't need to, to get down in front of the computer every day before practice to write all this stuff out and prepare it like it's a lesson plan but Having that rationale at the forefront of the mind, I think, will really go a long way in ensuring that skill and task are connected as they always should be in everything that we do. Well, Rob, I get to talk with you quite a bit, uh, whether it's text or on the phone or uh, you know whatever different social media we might be sharing with each other. Uh, but it was good to have you here on the podcast again, and I look forward to talking ball with you again here soon. Likewise, Keith, and you're doing a great job. Love the, love the whole program. I'm excited to see where the fall for all goes and uh, always a pleasure to, to talk with you. Appreciate it. You can follow coach Curran on Twitter at Rob underscore Curran. That's C-U-R-R-I-N. Follow me on Twitter at coach K Grabowski. Check out our advanced tackling system, which 
Rob mentioned in the show at footballdevelopment.com. You'll also find our free shoulder tackle system we did with the Seattle Seahawks, as well as our system for blocking and defeating blocks. And check out all we're doing to help you build your youth program at fdm.usafootball.com. Again.